Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. John chapter number four, uh, one verse, verse number 10. I, I was in, got in shocked a little bit while they were yes, singing that last song. Glad, glad you told them to sing another one. I was about to do it if you weren't going to do it. And uh, I appreciate the uh, that last song they sang, the love of God. The Bible says in verse number 10, herein is love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us yes, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You're glad God loves you tonight, y'all. Praise the Lord. I'm glad we can't go to hell because of the love of Jesus. I'm glad that he loves us in spite of us. He loves us. Praise his precious and holy name. Now, we're living in a world that says a lot and talks a lot refers a lot to the concept of love. Much of what this world means when they say love is lust. Much of it. But at the same time, I do think there's something in the human heart that just wants love. Wants to, wants to love somebody else. Desires to be loved themselves. I think that's just something that God put in us. God made us. He's love. It's just going to be a desire in a human heart to experience love. And, and we look for love in different areas. Uh, some people look for love in marriage, which it ought to be there. Uh, we look for love in relationship with our children, uh, other relationships, uh, social clubs. Uh, some are even trying Facebook in these days. Some of you to help them realize it's not the best avenue to find it. But, uh, but people want love. In fact, what, back in the... 60s or 70s, I'm not sure. Uh, somebody even wrote a song, Looking for Love, all the wrong places. If there is a title of a song that is a testimony of this world, that's it. They're looking for it, but in all the wrong places. And in this verse here, it's almost as if John is answering a question. He says, herein is love. As if someone asked the question, where is love? Where is love? Where can I find love? I've looked here. I've looked there. I've looked over here. I'm trying my best to find that fulfillment, that love that I'm missing out on. Where is? Well, John says, well, here it is. Right, right here it is. Here is love. Not who loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I want to preach just for a moment tonight on where is love? Where is love? Where can we find eternal, fulfilling love? Well, before we jump into uh, the love aspect of God and where we might find that true everlasting love, I think it's important to begin with this thought. 
We want love. We want somebody to love, and we want somebody to love us. And you who are saved, you have experienced firsthand the love of Christ in your life. You've experienced it. You place your faith in him. He saved you by his grace. You are now, you are now experiencing the precious, wonderful love of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's, there, there's a step that has to be taken before love in that regard can be experienced. I, I want to say something now about God's problem with us. God's problem with us. It's found in this verse. And it's the last two words in the verse. Our sins. Yes, sir. Our sins. Sometimes I think we need to be reminded of the fact that we left to ourselves, by ourselves, very dirty, very rotten, Amen. Yes. very rebellious, uh, yes. very Amen. wicked, yes. very ungodly. Amen. We're Amen. sinners. Left to ourselves, we are sinners. Amen. In fact, the knowledge that I am as sinful as I am magnifies, in turn magnifies, the love yes. of God. Amen. I think one of the reasons why we live in such a day where, and this is a failure of, uh, of preachers, we have, we have brought Jesus from a holy, lofty, high place. Right. Right. And we have brought him, we, try, we tried this word, relevant. Right. We tried to be relevant with people. Yeah. And in doing so, we have brought Jesus from his throne and try to bring him down here as a next door neighbor. Right. Yes, sir. <laughs> and what that has done, when you bring Jesus down from his purity and his holiness and his character and his nature and you bring that down, the next step is you bring us up. And we're living today in the churches in America where there's such a low view of Christ, it has produced a high view of man. We think more of ourselves than we should. We're guilty of it. And we've forgotten how bad we really are. That it could be somebody here. You've been saved 30, 40, 50 years. You've been saved so long, you almost forgot where God brought you from. You almost forgot what you used to be and what you used to do and how you used to think and the places you used to go and the people you were with. It's almost as if we had got amnesia from what we used to be and where God has brought us from. We have forgotten we're still sinful. Right. Yeah. To the core. Right. If you are anything, Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. If you are anything in this life, it's because of the naked Amen. grace of God. Amen. You and I have contributed nothing yes. to our righteousness, right. nothing to our holiness, right. nothing to our relationship with God. Yeah. It is all of grace. It is all of God. Left to ourselves, if God didn't take charge, if God didn't do it, where would we be? Yeah, right. mm. Sure. I think we've forgotten right. about our sins. Amen. God's problem with us. 
you talk to your average American today, and you tell them, you know, you know, God loves you. You know, they may not say it with their words, but they have the attitude, well, of course he does. What's not the love? Men shall be lovers of themselves. Well, what's not to love? You ever heard? Well, you know, I know we're not perfect, but I'm not all that bad. What you have done at that point down is you have compared yourself with others. Let me remind you, God does not judge you by somebody else like you. He judges you by the capital W-O-R-D word and the lowercase w word. Some of y'all are Tuesday. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's how he judges you. Amen. Amen. When you stand before the Lord, he's not going to line you up by a bunch of hypocrites and a bunch of atheists and a bunch of false religious. No, no, no. He's going to line you up with God's word yep. and Christ himself. Yes, sir. Right, right. The problem is, the problem is, you have to be as glorious as Christ to get to heaven. Right. You have to be as glorious as God to get to heaven. Do you realize that? You have to be, I have to be as glorious as as God to get to heaven. And God's glory is found in his purity, right. his holiness. Right. You have to be as holy and as glorious as God Amen. to get to heaven. Amen. Now, how in the world am I supposed to do that? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because you come short of his glory, you're disqualified from heaven. Right. right. Yes, sir. You're outcast. Amen. You're rejected. But wait, 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 wait. I don't think I'm that bad. Doesn't matter what you think. Right. 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 One sin, yes, you're a rebel. Right. One sin, you have shaken your fist in the face of God. Yes, sir. One sin, you're a sinner. Amen. One sin. One bad thought. The thought of foolishness. And see, if you had a stupid thought today, it was God can't have stupid thoughts. For you to have one is to be anti-God. We have forgotten how bad we really are. We need to stop comparing ourselves with others. Yes, sir. You stop snapping our suspenders thing. We are all that. We're up to snuff. No, friends, except for the grace and the love of God, Amen. you're in hell. Yes, right, right. And deservedly yes, so. You cannot earn salvation. You cannot earn grace. You cannot earn heaven. You cannot earn the blood. You cannot earn sanctification. You cannot earn the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. You can't earn anything. The only thing you and I have earned is hell. And we've done a good job earning it. We come out of our mama's womb earning hell. Yes, You've forgotten but our sins. Oh, don't have don't let that attitude creep up in you. Of course God loves me. What's well, not to love? We ought to ask ourselves the question, what is there exactly. to love? Yes, sir. Yes. What is there to love? Amen. 
Right. It's about them, doesn't it? Jeremiah, I'm just come with me. Come on, you come over here. This is going to be the greatest day of your life. <laughs> <laughs> You're Jesus. You won the war. You won the war. Brother Lewis, can I borrow you? All right, now, Brother Jeremiah is Jesus. The most perfect, pure. He's God, but he's God man. Perfect man that has ever existed on this planet. Sinless. Sinless. Now, somebody tell me, who, who would be maybe we'd consider the worst person that has ever walked this planet? Human being. Besides yourself, brother. Come on now. You don't say Lewis either. So who, who, who would we? Who would, the Apostle Paul. The worst person. Well, you, you, I'm going to use Paul. Paul just a minute. Who, who's going to say Hitler? That's a good one. Let's use Hitler. You're Hitler. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on, Fuhrer. Come over here. Here's the Fuhrer. Hitler. Hitler's pretty bad. There's Jesus, all right? Worst man. Best man. Now. Come on. Come on. All right. Somebody said the Apostle Paul, he did say he was chief of sinners. He, he may have been the best Christian that ever lived. Not sure. If I was going to pick a best Christian, I'd say Paul was the best Christian. And here's the worst that has ever lived. And here's Jesus in his holiness, in his purity, and his righteousness and his glory. And here's the Apostle Paul, the greatest Christian that ever lived. But we got to go back over here. Greatest Christian that ever lived. Worst man ever lived. Guess where Paul needs to be in regards to Hitler? See, we're not comparing Hitler and Paul, we're comparing them. To Jesus. He's so holy. He's so righteous that Paul and Hitler, you can't almost you can't almost even tell where one begins and the other ends. Compared to him. Compared to him. This is how bad you are. Now you may not be as bad as him. You may not be as good as him. You're somewhere in here. Compared to him. Yes. Now there's coming a day, praise the Lord. You get saved. Positionally in Christ right now. Jesus, God sees you over there. And one of these days you will be glorified. And God will bring you over here. And you shall be like him. For you shall see him as he is. Same book we're in right now. You're going to be over here one of these days. But until then, you're over here. So John is asking the question, where is answering the question, where is love? Herein is love. That's how far you are away from Christ. Yet he loves you. Yet he loves you. Thank you so much. All right, your time's up. You're done. <laughs> Come back off the shelf, all right? God's problem with us is our sins. Another way of looking at how bad we really are. So I believe Brother Josh, you may have quoted this verse earlier. But God committed his love toward us 
And that while we were yet sinners, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now, where does a sinner go when he dies without God? There's a hell and eventually cast in the lake of fire. How long is he in the lake of fire? Forever. You're, you're, you're not good enough that you'll be out in a year. You're not good enough you'll be out in a million years. You're not getting out. Because that's how bad we are compared to Christ. Compared to Christ. That's how bad we are. So I should say God in His purity, His holiness, His perfection, His righteousness, his glory has a problem with us. Has a very big problem with us. Our sin. You say, I just don't think I'm that bad. You're going to go to hell for him. I'm not saying that you and I could possibly conceive how bad we are. We cannot. Even Jeremiah said, who can know that deceptive heart. Who can know it? Who can know how bad our heart really is? And the same is true of Christ. Who can know how great and glorious He is? It's the unsearchable riches of Christ. Yes, Amen, Lord. Sure. He's so wonderful. We'll never learn everything about Him. We're so bad. We can't conceive how bad we are. We will never really appreciate God's love until we see ourselves as we are. It's one of the reasons it's going to be so wonderful to finally be in the full presence, physical, spiritual, emotional, in every regard in the presence of Christ. Because I assure you, on that day, on that day, can I, can, I, can I chase the rabbit and fuss about something? Uh, and if you believe this, that's your business, but me and you are going to disagree. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall out with you. I'm not going to fall out with you. I'll be your friend, but I'm going to disagree with you strongly. There are individual unknown Baptists out here that are teaching that God saved people in different ways in different periods of time. Right. In other words, right now it's by grace through faith and other dispensations it was by works and faith. A mixture of works and faith. And I am a dispensationalist. Amen. And I understand the term, I understand the term, Brother Al, I understand the term dispensation of grace. I understand the term, it's in Ephesians 3, I know the term. But if you read that passage, it seems that what Paul's talking about is something that was actually given to us. Not necessarily just a specific period of time. I say that because, I say that to say this, I believe in a dispensation of grace, but I believe the dispensation of grace is bigger than the church age. Right. right. Yes, sir. Right. Yep. The period of time of grace. Yeah. Right. Yes, sir. We, we are in the church age. We're in the age of the indwelling Holy Spirit. We're what the, the, the gospel, whatever you want to call it. But if you want to know a period of time of grace, you've got to go back to Genesis 3. Yes, they right. follow man. All the way to Revelation 20 to the thousand year reign of Christ. From the fall of man to the last man 
that will ever be saved and glorified at the, at the very end. That is the dispensation of grace. It's been grace from the beginning. It's grace all the way to the end. Why? Because we've been sinners from the beginning. And we're sinners till the end. Noah found grace. Why? That was the dispensation of grace. He needed it. And there'll be grace in the thousand year reign of Christ. Why? Because there's still going to be sinners in the thousand year reign of Christ. We need grace. Yes, sir. Because we're that bad. Amen. Because we are that bad. There'll never be one person walk into the pearly gates of glory and pack themselves on the back and say, look how I got myself here. I, I was able to contribute to my salvation and get myself here. It is not a work lest any man should vote. You cannot work your way in any regard to heaven. You will not pat yourself on the back when you walk through those gates. I've got an idea of what we may do when we get inside the machine. And we see him face to face. We're not going to pat ourselves on the back. When we finally see him in his fullness and all of his glory and all of a sudden we see ourselves and what we were and here he is. I got a feeling we're going to get on our hands and knees. Yes, sir. And Lord, thank you for saving a dirty, rotten sinner like me. Thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the resurrection. We will not thank ourselves. We'll thank Christ for everything He did. Because dirty, yes. rotten, nasty sinners, yes. let us spend eternity with Him. Amen. Yeah, we're not going to brag on ourselves. Amen. We'll brag on Him because of the next thought. We see God's problem with us. So look at God's passion for us. Herein is love. Not that we love God. In other words, John said, and we ain't about brag on us. Right, sir. We're not going to brag on us. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not fussing at anybody. I'm not fussing at anybody. I've said this in my... When I've testified, I've said it before. Others will say it. You will say it some more. And you need to say it. We need to say it. But you'll hear somebody testify. And they'll say, I just love Jesus so much. We need to say it. It's a wonderful, you need to love him so much. But anytime I have ever said it, but anytime I've ever said it, I've said it. And I do love him. I love him. But when I say it, I love him. It doesn't perfectly set well with me. Because I also know I don't love him like I should. That's right. I do not love him like I should. Yeah. I ain't trying to fuss at you, but nobody here does. Everybody out there, wherever you're at, nobody loves him like you should. One day, one day we will, but it ain't right now. We do not love him like we should. So John decides, no, don't talk about that. Hearing his love, not, not that we love him. Not you. 
You need to love Jesus. We need to grow in our love for Jesus. But let's just be honest. Our love for him is not much to brag about. Hearing his love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us. There's love. When you can see at least a little bit where you are. That's why I spent a lot of time on that in my first call. I wanted to hammer that home. How bad we really are. Because when you can start seeing a little bit of how bad you are. You'll never see it fully in this life. But when you can see just a little bit of how bad you are. It start causing you to scratch your head. Yeah. Why does he love me? Why does he love me? When I first got saved 23 years ago, almost, I was full of, I was full of pride. Before I got saved, I've struggled with it since I've been saved. Full of pride. But I did get saved. And I didn't say it, wouldn't have said it, but you could almost see it in me. I almost thought, man, God won the victory when he got me. God got something good with me. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky God. It's almost how I felt. It's almost how I felt. Had big plans. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this, do that. You know, big plans. Preach boy plans. I had them. Because I saw my, I didn't see myself. Like I really needed to see me. 23 years later, I got some real bad skin knees, some bloody elbows. I have fallen time and time and time again. Now I'm almost up, but I'm not where I need to be, but I'm almost up when I'm just tired of myself. I'm about fed up with Joy Walker. He's a dipstick of all. I'm going to cheat at dipstick. I'm not fed up with him. He causes me trouble every time I wake up in the morning. Gets on my nerves. I go to read my Bible and Joy Wumper shows up. I know you do that today. Would you rest a little bit? Do something different. Go to pray. Oh, you can do that later. Joy says that to me. You can do that later. Yeah. I've discovered that my biggest problem in this world is it's not the devil. Sure. It's not people I pastor. Although at one time I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> not people I pastor. This afternoon I look in the mirror and I shave him. I'm not that smart, but <laughs> I shave him. The biggest problem I have in this world. Look at him right my eyeball. Biggest problem I have in this world. Yeah. So what that has done, it's caused me to be more, what's the word, in all that Jesus would have something to do with me. Why? Why? If you knew the thoughts that had run through my mind. Since I've been saved. Words that come out of my mouth since I've been saved. Since I've been saved. 
Don't misunderstand me. I am amazed that God knew what I was before I got saved and still died for me. That's amazing to me. But even more so is how bad I have been since I've been saved and he still saved me. The fact that he's hanging on the cross not just knowing what I would be before he saved me, but he knew what I would be after he saved me. He knew the times I'd walk away. He knew the times I would rebel. He knew the times I wouldn't pray. He knew the times I would sin against him. He knew every bit of it that I would do after I was saved. Right. And he died anyway. Here in his love. Not that we loved him. Because that's almost silly to talk about. Yes, but that he loved us. Amen. That he loves you. Amen. He loves you. And he doesn't love you any less today than he did yesterday. He doesn't love you any less today than he did the day. He loves you. Here is love. You don't know where love is? I was talking to somebody years ago. I was talking to somebody. And, and this person, I, I wasn't counseling this person because it was their problem. They had, a, they had a friend who had made the statement, if God loves me, if God loves me, why, why did my loved one pass away? If, if God loves me, why am I not a millionaire? That's what the person was asking. If God loves me, really cares. If God loves me, then why why? Why do I have cancer? Or does somebody in my family have cancer? Why, why do we have cancer? Why do we have heart attacks? Why do we have nervous breakdowns? Why, why are all these things happening to people if God really loved us? Why are there rapists? Why are there murderers? Why, why are all these bad people allowed to do what they do? If God really does love us. God really loves us. And by the way, when I hear somebody say, you know, I just, I don't, you know, you know I just don't believe in this love of God thing because if he loved us, none of this bad stuff would happen. I don't think that person means what they're saying. They don't really mean what they say. In fact, I'll even say it this way. Hang on to me while I say this. Even hell Hell exists because of the love of God. Mm. Oh, what? God will never love him. God will never send somebody to hell. Hell exists because of the love of God. Right. Yes, sir. Let me explain. Explain this. Brother Williamson, y'all seem to be happily married. Unless y'all putting on a great show. You seem to be happily, <laughs> happily married. Couple. Now, one of the reasons why it's so wonderful is you couldn't make her choose you. She had other choices. Sure. She had other choices. Mm -hmm. If you could somehow manipulate her mind and heart and will and everything and made her love you, it's not even love. Sure. It's not even real love. That's right. What makes it love, and because you love, because you love her, 
You wanted her to say no to all the other ones, say yes to you. But the only way that true love can be exhibited, she's got to have a choice. She's got to have other options. She's got to have them. She doesn't have other options. My wife didn't have other options. My wife had other options. I remember first time I saw my wife. I was in chapel Bible college, chapel service. A friend of mine was, he said, I'm going to bring my fiance to church tonight and some of her family. Yeah, some of that family was Kelly. She walked in. I don't know who preached that night. I don't know what song we was up. I'm on one side of the chapel. She's on the other side of the chapel. I thought that's the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Amen. Whole time I'm le I led singing in the chapel. I'm leading singing and see if she's looking at me while I'm leading singing. You see, you like flexing a little bit while I'm leading singing. Amazing. Hope is you looking. Oh. When chapel was over. The tallest, darkest, handsomest dude, waist that big, broad shoulders come over to me. Joy. You see that girl over there? Pointed Kelly. I said, Yeah, I see her. He said, I'm going to go out with her. I'm going to go out with her. And he usually snapped his finger and it flopped. I snapped my finger and they was like, Hey, what's that <laughs> They flopped to him. He said, I'm going to go out with her. I said, All right, big boy, you go ahead. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> she had choices. <laughs> hey, sometimes the double chin can win. <laughs> but wait, I'm always getting a girl. I won that one. But that helps me appreciate her love for me even more. She said no to that. Said yes to me. I need to love her and be thank her. <laughs> yes, sir. It means more because there was a choice. God is love. Love means if I truly love you, then I must give you the choice to love me. Because if he's love, there has to be a choice. If he, if he does not give a choice, and he's not exhibiting his love. He is love. He has to give a choice for those to love him in return. And he gives you two choices. Right. It's him or it's hell. Right. Which one you want. He has to give. And here's the thing. And he made it so extreme. He made it so easy. Yes, sir. I mean, he, I mean, he talks to us a softball. Knock it out. It's him or hell. Right. Yes, right. It's not him or Paradise Part B. Yeah. I mean, he, he gave you the most extreme of choices. Him or hell. Yes. And he made it easy. And the very first commandment, uh, you can have anything you want to this big giant garden. Just don't touch that little, don't eat of that little tree back there. You can have everything else. He made it as easy. As God could have made it. Just to get us to love him back. So he made hell to give you a choice. Because he loves you. Because he's loving God. And that means you get to choose. Hearing is love, not 
that he loved us. But that we would rebel. I heard one preacher call it cosmic rebellion against God. Total anarchy against a holy God. Total and complete rebellion against the king of this universe. And in that condition, he still loves you. He still wants you. So we don't look to the cancers, the heart attacks, and the low bank accounts, and the flat tires, and the leaky roofs. It's not what we look at to try to find if God's loving us or not, because that stuff happens because we've sinned. Sin brings forth death. Death comes by way of sicknesses. Sin. My grandma is one of the finest women I've ever known in my life. She's in hospice tonight. There's no reason why I've been driving back and forth. She's in hospice tonight. A week to two weeks. Nine, almost 91 years old. 91 next week. We're about to leave this world. And a good woman, moral woman, faithful woman. But she's a sinner. And sin brings death. She's dying because she's been touched by sin. God kicked them out of the garden to keep them away from the tree of life. Yes. Even death is an aspect of the grace of God. Yep. If you, you ate the tree of life and you, you stayed eternal in your sinful condition, you would be eternal in your deathly condition. Yes. So he removes you from the tree of life, gets us out so that we could die. Because anything that dies and is planted is supposed to come back up yes. with new life. So you don't look at the negatives of life or the positives of life. I've got a big house. i got a nice car. i got a great job. My family's healthy. God is really in love with me. No, because you could lose all that stuff. You say, well, where in the world am I supposed to look to find if God really loves me or not? Look the next phrase. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Before I jump into the word, let me say it this way. You know how much God loves you? You look to Calvary. You look to the cross. Because it was on the cross that God the Father sent his son and sacrificed him on that cross. So God has a problem with us. He's angry with the wicked every day. So what God did was he bruised his own son, Isaiah 53 said. There's Jesus on the cross and God the Father pours all of his vengeance and wrath toward your sin and my sin upon Jesus Christ. You see God in his holy wrath in anger toward us because he's holy gritting his teeth You ever been so mad you could have hit somebody? Mm-hmm. Have you ever been so mad you could have hit somebody you decided to hit something else instead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been. Yeah. yeah, I've been so mad I could hit you. This time I'm going to hit this. <laughs> you ever done that? Mm-hmm. That's what God did. 
I'm so mad at you. But instead of hitting you, I'm going to hit my son. And he bruised his own son. Son did nothing. He was innocent. Pure. As holy as the Father. They're one. But instead of hitting you, he hits the son. You ever... You ever got some mad, Bill Williamson? You might have a temper problem. I don't know. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> like you do. We'll pretend tonight that you, you ever you ever had it and you hit something. Maybe a punching bag. I used to have a, a punching bag. Be frustrated. Go ahead. Boom! Hit that punching bag. Did a little better. <laughs> Took a little steam off. Didn't it? Took a little steam off. Because you hit. You know why God feels better toward me and you now? Second Corinthians 5 says he's not imputing our sin to us. Because he hit his son. Took the steam off. Toward you and I. Let's say this will calm God down. Propitiation means it satisfied. That's what it means. Satisfied. The wrath of God. See, the Old Testament, from the beginning, Adam learned how to perform a sacrifice. God performed the first sacrifice. Adam learned how. That's why Abel knew how. That's why Cain was such a rebel. Adam, Adam told him, this is what you're supposed to do to come to God. Cain said, no, I'll go to God my way. He tried to pat himself on the back. Yes, from the beginning, if you came to God, you come with a sacrifice or you don't come at all. Those altars that Abraham would build, they were not just to bow down before him and pray. He was going to kill something on them. Sacrifice. 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 But they kept having to perform sacrifices if they never satisfied God. Right, he was still angry. Yes, sir. And there was a remembrance of sin, the book of Hebrews said. Every time they walked out, they still... I mean, think about this priest who had these bloody hands, this, this bloody tabernacle, and every day he's, he's making a sacrifice. And then on the day of atonement, there's a massive sacrifice. Passover is a big sacrifice. And he's making all these sacrifices. And here, on the day of atonement, the high priest is allowed to go into the, the most holy place once every year. Once a year. I get to go to the most holy place to make a sacrifice for all of our sins. You can, you can sense the anticipation we're going to get forgiveness today. There'll be an atonement today. And he walks into that temple and he performs the sacrifice and he walks out. And he feels just as guilty as he did when he walked in. There was a remembrance of sin. Because the blood of bulls and goats doesn't take away sins. God needed a propitiation. Something to satisfy. The only thing there was Available that could have done it. John spotted him. Behold, <laughs> the Lamb of God, which does everything those sacrifices cannot do. He taketh away not just the sin of the Jew, 
Right. Right. Not just the sins of Israel. Right. Amen. Amen. Red, yellow, black, or white. He'll take your sins away. Amen. The Lamb of God. Amen. He'll take away the sins of the world. So since Calvary, the cry from heaven has been satisfied. Satisfied. Hey, by the way, I still, I still have to bring a sacrifice when I come to God. I still have to. But not of the blood of an animal. I come on the merits of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I bring a sacrifice of praise. Thank you. For loving somebody. Yes, thank God. So wicked is me. Thank you that in your purity, in your holiness, you still were able to exhibit and display and commend your love to me. Amen. Yes. Amen. I deserve hell, but I'm going to heaven yes. because of the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, Lord. The propitiation. You know, the Greek word here for propitiation is the same word that's used in Hebrews 9, verse 5, where Hebrews talks about the mercy seat. It's the same word. Yes, sir. Propitiation and mercy seat are the same thing. Amen. You remember the mercy seat? It was there on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. You had the two cherubim, their wings pointed toward each other, which was a symbol of the cherubim outside of the Garden of Eden with the flaming swords reminding everybody you can't come in here anymore. Right. You can't come into paradise. You can't get near the tree of life. You're excluded. That mercy seat was a reminder. We've been expelled. But blood sprinkled upon that mercy seat was Paris. But we're still expelled. Jesus is now. Let's look at the verse. Look at the verse. And sent his son to be the mercy seat. For our sins. His son became the mercy seat. His son became the propitiation. And since his son was the perfect propitiation, the perfect satisfaction, I'm no longer expelled and disqualified from the family of God. Therefore, be justified by faith, have peace with God. Amen. Peace with God. Not on my own merits, but the merits of the propitiation and the work of Christ. Amen. Here it is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. I just wiped my face with this. Have you used this? No, I'm about to use it too. Make <laughs> just put up with it. He gets everything. <laughs> I get everything from Ed Magnus. What am I doing? That's what I do. And you get everything from your preacher, and that's just how it works. That's how it works. This old dirty rock hanky. Got my sweat. Got other things. You probably wouldn't want it. Not if you want you to do something you do with it. It is worthless, too. I got more than half plenty in the house. Plenty of them. I don't care if this thing's tossed to the side. I don't care if you want it, you can have it. They're going to watch it. You just, I, don't, I don't need this. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's helping me right now, but I could borrow one from him. I forgot mine Tuesday night, but Austin said, you could have borrowed one from me, preacher. I had one. Is that depleted to go around? There's not much value to this. That's how you and I were right. in our sins. Our righteousness is as what? Filthy rag. Filthy rag. You want it, you can have it. It's just a filthy rag. However, this Bible I have was given to me years ago by three young preachers in my church. And they all wrote notes to me. Brother Josh's was by far the longest. <laughs> that explains it. That explains his series of messages on It Is Finished, part seven. That explains it. That's Josh's right there. This is the other boys right here. I'm not kidding. But he gave me this Bible. I have hours, hours. I don't know if y'all see the notes. Hours. In the middle part, I guess. I guess I skip songs, but uh, I mean hours, <laughs> hours of notes. This only study Bible I trust every every note in it because every note is mine. <laughs> I don't trust Schofield. I don't trust the rest of it's, it's the only study Bible I trust because got all my notes. <laughs> now, if you want to come get this Bible, you may whip me, but you'll have to fight me. Because this Bible is precious. Three precious young men in my life gave me this. And I have put hours into this Bible. This means a lot. I would fight anybody over this Bible. It's a treasure in my life. I couldn't care less if Barack Obama stole this. It wouldn't bother me at all. It means nothing. This means a lot. I look at this rag, it's worthless. I look at this Bible, it's worth everything. But if I put this rag in my Bible, now you want to get this rag? You might ask me to get that rag. That's still a dirty, rotten, nasty rag. It's still got the same nastiness, the same dirtiness on that rag. But it's in this Bible. Amen. Amen. And if you want to get your hands on that rag, you come say, Preacher, can I touch the Bible so I can get that rag? That's the only way I'll give it to you. You don't touch my Bible. Me and my church have learned that. I got a very brand new Bible. Well, this was another one. I got a brand new Bible. And one of them grabbed it, Peter started flipping through it, and I almost had a conviction. I mean, I was. <laughs> but I'll also tell you, you don't just touch my new Bibles. They, I just can't handle it. And so you can't have that rag unless you get through this Bible. Now, by the way, I'm looking at that rag. Yeah. I'm looking right at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm looking directly. I can, I'm looking at the rag, but I can't see it. Yes, Why? It's in the Bible. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, 
Yes. Right. He's a new creature. Amen. Amen. Right. Now some of them dirty things are still there. But he's a new creature. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Old things have been passed away. Right. And all things have become new. Amen. Because I need Christ. Amen. I need Christ. Amen. I heard one preacher say it like this. God the Father treated God the Son on the cross as if God the Son were you and I. So that God the Father could treat you and I as if we were God the Son. I'm one of His, you're one of His. Because of the love of God. Are you glad to say tonight? Where is love? It's found in the work of Jesus Christ on an old rugged cross. To keep you out of hell Amen. and let you spend eternity with him. Amen. I'm not worth loving. Jesus is. Amen. But God evidently just loved Jesus so much and how he was, he thought he'd just make a whole pile of them. He's our elder brother. Amen. And we're going to be just like him. Amen. Till then. Keep your self-expectations really low. Your self-love. The Bible says humble yourself. Humble yourself. John said it this way. John the Baptist. He must increase. I must increase. I believe that little phrase is a picture of a Christian life. As you walk with Christ, you'll decrease. That could be one of the reasons why when you hit your 60s, 70s, and 80s, they start bowling over. I remember when I first went to Northside and Gaffney, I looked at my pastor. I almost looked at my eyeball out. Yes. And now I look down. He's in his mid-80s, late 80s. Now I look down to him. Not spiritually, but physically because he's decreased. That could be a picture of the Christian life. We decrease. We cease to increase. We begin to decrease. But the closer you get to it, the better he gets. And that's the goal of the Christian life. That I can become smaller. He can become bigger. But that won't happen until you see Jesus for who he is. And in return, see you for what you are. Because that's God to help us. To humble ourselves so that Jesus can be bigger to us tonight. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.